I, um, I don't know whether it's possible to cultivate the style. Nobody is precisely what they think they are. Maybe in the last moments of my life, moments of my life, I will be curious to know what it means to die. Welcome to Folk Phenomenology. My name is Sam Rocha. This is episode six of season two on education. Folk Phenomenology is generously supported by Whippenstock Publishers, Voice and Truth, from Biblical Studies to Classic Theology, Poetry to Philosophy, our authors are experts, scholars, and artists. St. Mark's College Center for Christian Engagement, nurturing the dialogue between Christians in the life of the academy and that of larger society. Give us this day daily prayer for today's Catholic, Solidarity Hall, Eden plus Utopia, Black Catholic Messenger, an online publication for Black Catholics, U.S. Catholic, Faith and Real Life, Commonweal Magazine, the leading lay voice for commentary on religion, politics, and culture, the Juan Diego Network, Catholic Audio for Latinos. To support Folk Phenomenology, please share this episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite app or platform, and leave a review or drop a tip. You can also follow Folk Phenomenology on Twitter and Facebook. I wasn't exactly sure if I was going to record any solo monologue episodes during season two. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of uh, the ones in season one. And I was really excited, frankly, to invest all of my enthusiasm, time and planning to the interviews. and. There is not going to be any substantial change to that uh, focus, and in many ways, the continuity from season one to season two of Folk Phenomenology is that I think the interviews are the uh, uh, the best portions of content there is to offer. However, I have heard um, uh, some kind remarks uh, about certain elements of season one. In particular, the long episode on critical race theory, um, and um, also a few notes on some of the uh, kind of bookends to that season. And I'm also in the midst of something of, um, I've been joking around on Twitter that I'm calling it my retirement, <laughs> um, which is a joke based on another joke I make where um, I sometimes refer to myself as a retired music minister who... Uh, comes out of retirement to do um, subbing jobs and whatnot. Um, this ongoing kind of silliness. 
refers to a reframing, really, of some of my public work and to some of my public online persona. And um, in many ways, I think it's in line with the vision and definitely the motto uh, of this show, Dilexit Mundum. And I hope to write a bit about uh, some of this change and some of this. It's not a sudden turn. It's in, in some ways a turn that began, I think, a while back ago, but is now making itself more clear. And I hope to write about that at my Substack, uh, Dilexit Mundum. But one of the things that I've uh, wanted to feature more, I don't want to talk so much about what I'm trying to do less of. I'm sure people can guess. Uh, but I want to feature... I suppose um, some of the things that I care about uh, most or as much as some of the other things and uh, in particular uh, some of the things that I maybe have uh, more considered uh, thoughts about. When I look back on the controversies of critical race theory I have to fully admit that that was in many ways a, a reactionary um, expertise. My familiarity with CRT um, began really as, as something of a critic uh, of it and within educational research and within the, the reviews and during of the work of my students that suddenly uh, became useful and at some level clarifying I think for uh, a contemporary discourse where those three letters were thrust into the public square. And um, I had a lot more homework to do when I decided to, to speak on it publicly at, at some length, and I had to do some readings. And that changed and, and adapted uh, my view of the tradition and, and even revised some of the views and positions I had taken in the past. And that's wonderful. Um, it's always great, whether it's out of reaction <laughs> or out of, uh, you know, intrinsic motivation to, to be able to think about something at more length, with more detail, to consult sources, uh, and, and submit that to scrutiny, and um, yeah, and, and come out with a more developed uh, line of thought about something. That's, it's always a blessing. But critical race theory and uh, a lot of these other questions are, are not really um, the main or the first or the most important elements for me. And I have talked about some of those elements, in particular music, um, in particular um, some different ways in which the question of race has been important to me, um, and, uh, and obviously religion as well. And uh, I take nothing away from any of that, and, and those are also value-added to my life and hopefully to the content of this show and other venues. However, I, um, I have dedicated really my professional life for 12 years now, with at least three years of formal study before that, and sometime before that as well, and, and earlier graduate studies, to really a single topic, a single field, a single concept, and that is education. I am a philosopher of education. I belong to a subdiscipline of philosophy called philosophy of education. I belong to a 
you might say service field to teacher education and school teacher preparation called philosophy of education. I have written and published work um, within that field and on that question. And that question would be simply the question, what is education? And um, I, I think that I have um, probably poorly represented how singular an interest that has been uh, for me and how much uh, maybe more formal academic time and work I've spent in pursuit of trying to articulate that question uh, and to respond to it, to, to answer the call of the question. So uh, I would like in, uh, in this episode to try to make good on this desire uh, to not only react uh, and share my views uh, on matters as they are thrust upon uh, the discourse of, of the public square, uh, but to offer um, at some level uh, a story of my thinking about education uh, through two different stories about it, um, two different examples, two different metaphors, two different analogies um, to education. And um, one of them represents, um, I would say, probably my first and uh, primary interest in education. And it's something that endures and remains. And the second is probably closer to a, a developed sense that has grown on me and in many ways interrupted the first sense. Um, but I suspect that there's probably more harmonious ways to understand these two stories about my uh, struggle to understand or struggle to ask the question, what is education? And so I'm going to give them names and I'll talk a bit about what those names have to do with the concept. And then I'll try to roughly outline um, well, what they mean and, and what account of education each provides. And then maybe from there, um, I'll, uh, I'll give some sense of, of what's, um, what might be worthwhile. And, and both, either or, neither nor, uh, I'll just kind of weigh out the, the basic value. Um, and yeah, and these will be uh, my opening thoughts on education. I don't mean this to be by any means an exhaustive account of either my work on education nor the long-standing uh, tradition of thought and, and uh, practice around it. And if you in particular find today's uh, monologue uh, useful or helpful or um, potentially provocative in some way and you'd like to hear more, uh, I would love to hear that, uh, hear from you. Uh, just let me know. And I will consider maybe doing uh, more work in public on this theme that has, uh, despite appearances, perhaps uh, really engrossed me. And 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 also, I have to say, I have I have a sense of almost gratitude to education as uh, as a concept that has allowed me to build a life and uh, allowed my family to uh, to live and and have. Uh, uh, some kind of a of a of a w means of subsistence and existence and all those things. Okay. 
The two notions of education that I want to sketch out here uh, are first the cosmic view of education and <laughs> secondly the rope view of education. Um, I think cosmic sounds a lot better. Cosmic education, that sounds pretty cool. And rope view of education is very uninspiring. And in many ways, those are the first clues, I think, to, um, to these different sensibilities. Uh, let me start with cosmic education, and then I'll talk a bit about rope education. These are meant to be pictures, metaphors, um, ideas that hopefully create in your imagination uh, some kind of an image that you can then analogize and associate to education that whenever they're set in relief of each other, you can hopefully get a sense for what these two uh, ways of talking and thinking about education, what these two different forms of responses to the question, what is education, uh, might mean, and of course, might um, how they seem to you. The cosmic view of education is uh, is a sense that education is, is so big, it can't even really be talked about as uh, a thing or as an entity. Um, it's the view of education that is both a cosmos in which we find the galaxy of, of schools and schooling and school within which we find um, all kinds of education related uh, uh, phenomena or things or appearances uh, where we find also um, other things that may not be may not seem to be education related, but ultimately are um, development and becoming a person, study, curriculum, library, the book, reading, thinking, learning, teaching, absolutely. Um, but that none of these terms, and certainly the galaxy of school, uh, can't themselves capture or encapsulate or confine the cosmic entity or cosmic non-entity that is education. And so in some of my work, I've talked about how education is best understood as really a context, a context that's that I uh, sometimes would relate to a particular way of understanding being with a capital B as different than the beings with a lowercase b, like the things. And um, this view of education, um, first of all, uh, relies very heavily on a pretty hard, and you might even say harsh, uh, contradistinction to schooling. And so this is uh, a view of education that emphatically rejects the idea that education and schooling are synonyms, and even cast doubt at the degrees of their relation. Um, this is a view of education, the cosmic view of education, that even claims that the misnomers of education as smaller or more particular or as an entity um, do a kind of disservice to our understanding and at some level um, project a false understanding of education that leads uh, to uh, 
any number of problems. So this isn't just a cosmic understanding of education. It's also a cosmic understanding of education for the sake of a particular kind of educational critique or maybe philosophical critique of the concept of education. Um, one of the questions I've asked uh, in this vein is, is even of my own field. What if our field lost everything we had to say about learning and school and, and schooling and policy? Would we have anything left to say about education? And I, I, I said that, I think, when I was young and I was trying to suggest that we would have very little left. And that was my way of, I suppose, dismantling my own field, which is this conceit that philosophers, I think, often... Uh, fall victim to and I certainly did at that time but um but yeah that's the cosmic view of education it's a view that almost divinizes education capital E into not only a field or context but almost into this something closer to a force and uh I tried to use an account of study as kind of the force field, you could say, of education, the energy um, that then brought us into contact with the existential reality or the entity of the person as the kind of um, site of concreteness. And so a lot of my early work, and in particular the book Folk Phenomenology, um, works from education as a context to study as a kind of force or energy um, into the person as the thing or the, um, the most concrete appearance, at least, of, of something that in a threefolded way, education, study, and the human person, uh, that seems to approximate what we mean when we ask the question or what we're looking for when we ask the question, what is education? And, um, yeah, I, I, I find uh, I find that view. Um, well, I found that view at the time inspiring. It was the awe and wonder uh, that I had for the question, what is education? And for my discipline and my field and for the tradition, the intellectual history, um, my mentors. It represented so many things to me. Um, and it also, I think, gave a lot of clues to my religious formation and to my religious imagination. Um, I often talked about education in this way, in this cosmic sensibility as mystery. And I was heavily influenced, of course, by the, uh, um, the ontological directing, the being or object directedness of very early phenomenology and the thought of Edmund Husserl. And then the more being-centered or ontologically focused uh, work of Martin Heidegger. And um, add some heavy doses of Catholic personalism and <laughs> and there you go. That, that says a lot about me biographically. It says a lot about who I am, uh, who I was. Um, and to this day, I, I'm, not, I'm not bored with that. I don't find it um, uninspiring, and I haven't lost that sense of wonder entirely. But I have observed some behaviors in the academy that have given me some pause and have 
maybe arouse some doubts. Uh, and one of, the, one of them, which gave birth really to the rope account of education, which I'm moving towards. So I've, I've talked about the cosmic account of education now here. And I want to say, I, I, I think it's important. I, I want to continue my work on this cosmic account of education. I believe it's um, worthwhile. Uh, at the same time, I've just noticed being in this in this work and in this place called the Academy for long enough that there's a real tendency for academics and professors and me and my colleagues to oftentimes say that the things that interest us the most um, can only be understood properly at their widest scale. And we divinize our pet terms and concepts and we insist that only at this degree of you know of the sublime uh, sense that we have and that we feel for these ideas can a person begin to understand or appreciate or really have any insight into them and at some level there's some there's some level of engrossment with a concept that i think is important to really understand it and so i, I don't want to uh make this seem cheap or make this seem like a simple case of intellectual bias. But I notice that the way I talk about education, when I'm speaking of it in this cosmic sense is, well, it, it falls into that pattern. And I have asked myself whether I am just behaving fulfilling, you could say, the behavioral expectations of a philosopher of education. Because by the way, I can also speak this way about philosophy. And in many ways, the thesis, philosophy and education are not so different, which is uh, an article of faith, as I've described it, uh, for me, um, quickly shows that when I'm talking about education, I'm talking about philosophy. When I'm talking about philosophy, I'm talking about education. There's a cosmic sense of both of those things. There's a philosophy of philosophy that my philosophy of education almost substitutes for. And in both cases, on the cosmic account of education or on this more metaphilosophical view, I'm just, um, well, sometimes, even though it's wonderful, it's like rich food, I just get a little bit full and I, I, I find it a bit overbearing. It's just, it's, it's, it's such a heavy burden that uh, it can become almost, uh, uh, it can almost make me feel like I, I, I can't stand it. Like I, I just, the weight of it is too much. And so I'll, I'll you know, rather play music or go fishing. Uh, <laughs> But I also suspect that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the cosmic view of education, in fact, because of its burdens and because of its uh, sublimities and because of its divinizations and because of all of its, you know, uh, grandeur. In fact, um, places more pressure and stress on the question than the question was meant to have and create some of the problems of education. Maybe it is, maybe it still is the 
best or among the better replies to the question, responses to the question, what is education? But maybe it's also one of the culprits of the many misinterpretations or false responses to that question. Um, maybe at some level, education's undoing is a result of its overdetermination by the cosmic account of education. I've wondered this. I, I really have. And uh, I've, I've wondered it for myself as a philosopher of education. Like, maybe I want to just do something else. Maybe I want to do philosophy of... <laughs> maybe I just want to do phenomenology. And, you know. Anyway, I've had these questions for myself in my own work, in my own life, in my career. But I've also wondered them as um, potentially better ways of responding. Um, so, out of those doubts and out of those uh, worries and out of those concerns, I have, um, in many ways, uh, created or imagined a, not so much a counter-narrative, but an, an alternative, uh, or even in some case a substitution for the cosmic account of education. And in this case, I have to tell you a little bit about um, the rope I'm talking about. So I uh, own a very small 10-foot Sea Eagle inflatable fishing boat. Um, it is a very modest uh, fishing boat, but it's plenty big for me and for one other person, whether it's one of my children or a friend or uh, my, my dog Lucius uh, we can get on the boat and have a cooler and have what we need and, and fish for a full day without interruption really um, as captain seats has a hard bottom I, I love that little boat and it's great on still water it's very safe um, so on and so forth I um, I have it equipped now with a double anchor system one um, at the front of the boat and one at the back of the boat. And um, in general, I use one anchor line that's 150 feet that I essentially thread through the front and the back anchor, Scotty anchor mounts. And uh, that means the person sitting in the front is in charge of the front anchor and I'm in charge of the back one. Uh, or if I'm alone, I, I have to manage them both and having one single rope kind of makes that helpful as long as I don't plan to be in uh, water that's um, more than, you know, 75 mathematically, but actually you need a bit more of that so you can have some gifts. So, you know, as long as I don't plan to be in, you know, 50 feet of water or more, I can do that. If I fan plan to be though in, you know, 80 uh, to 100 feet of water, then I need um, uh, to have separate anchor lines and I have another 150 foot anchor line so that we can have um, two anchor lines. And so if I'm fishing for kokanee, for instance, landlocked uh, sockeye uh, fish, <clears throat> they often uh, can hold up at very, um, uh, at very, very deep water. They don't like uh, very warm water and they feed on um, almost like invisible like plankton type stuff and so uh, if I'm fishing for kokanee or if I'm planning to be doing some you know vertical jigging or something like that in a, in a really deep hole then I'll bring those those uh, longer lines 
And if you're still wondering what rope education has to do with my anchor lines, well, before I, uh, when I'm preparing the boat to go out, I always make sure that my anchor lines are uh, clear of any knots and I have to thread them onto the Scotty anchor uh, mounts every time because I have to take them off in order to fold it up. And so it essentially requires me to be working with, at the very least, 150 feet of rope. And because of rope memory and twist, and also this is anchor rope, so it's fairly heavy, uh, you know, it takes some time. And I'm always astounded at no matter how... Um, good of a job I do in storing my rope after I'm done, I pretty much have to, you know, unravel it, uncoil it completely and recoil it uh, in order to um, be able to use it um, in a good way on the boat uh, with my anchors. And um, I've thought a lot about this metaphor that, you know, one thing that education that carries over, I suppose, from the cosmic account to the rope account, is that education is big. Education has more connections and associations and relations. It always has a bit more, I think, than we expect it to have. And maybe I don't need to talk about that at a cosmic scale. Maybe I could just point out that like a really long rope, and in this case, 150 feet isn't even that long altogether. What makes it unique though is in my case that I have to work with it every single time I take it out and want to use it. Whereas on larger boats or other things, I think they have better coiling systems that don't require, you know, so much. Or I'm even thinking of some of my rods and reels that have, you know, more than 150 feet of line in them. Um, but a better maybe technology for dealing with that line that I don't have to take it out all the time and put it back in. The point is that education in the rope account, like education in the cosmic account, is as a long extension. And that extension quickly and easily gets tangled, can create knots. Some of those are real knots as a res result of mishandling. In other cases, they're actually not really knots. They just seem to be knots and you have to go in there and pull things apart. It can get very heavy when it kind of gets bulked up on your arm as you're coiling it. It um, Sometimes you can't find one or both of the ends, and so you don't really know where the rope begins or ends. And, and in all these ways, education is just um, like a rope. It is something that can very quickly get away from you, something that can nod on you, something that can create real knots or false knots. It can be, in some cases, um, an obstacle. In other cases, it can be a point of vulnerability. Uh, it has a practical use for sure, but then there's also a sense of that you need to appreciate it for its own sake. And all of these things I've said relate to the kind of rope I'm talking about, which is very specifically the anchor rope I use on my small fishing boat. And so I find that um, it's often smart to try to substitute not only notions of education, like I'm substituting the rope account of education for the cosmic account of education, but even to, to, to substitute words for education. Like I, I, I find the word teaching um, one of the best 
substitutions. And oftentimes I find that there's more to do and say and work on and think about when we speak of teaching um, than, than the, the sense of being worn out and outclassed by just the sheer scale of it all when I work with education, especially the cosmic account. But even the rope account of education, you can kind of break down the rope into pieces or chunks or, you know, one terminal side of the rope or the belly of the rope or, or what have you. Um, this account of education kind of admits that um, it doesn't give away, it doesn't give up on that scale. And a true line, of course, uh, a true rope, we might say, is infinite. It has no beginning or end. And that that's, that's an interesting way to kind of back the rope account of education back through the line into a cosmic account of education. Um, and who knows? I think you can see how attached I am <laughs> to that cosmic account. Um, but no, the rope I have in mind here has fixed ends and uh, an extension that's long, but not impossible. And the main thing about the rope is that the rope is not everything. The rope isn't the boat and the rope isn't the anchor and the rope isn't the seats and the rope is just a rope and it cannot be um, despite how long it is and how difficult it is and how uh, yeah how hard it is to work with it it can't suddenly outflank everything <laughs> every entity into this kind of massive cosmic sensibility it remains um one thing amongst many. And I have to say that this um, idea of education as one thing amongst many has also made me question some of the substitutions. And, and some of these, I think, have been questionable for a long time. Like, to what extent is learning, does learning have anything to do with education? At the very least, we would have to figure out what we mean by learning or what learning is in order to make that test. And that's difficult too. So, you know, um, the rope account of education is, it moves me in a direction to particulars. And one of the particulars that, uh, along with teaching, as I said before, and other things that I'm increasingly curious about, in part because the cosmic account of education is so harsh and so dismissive of it so fast is school uh, the rope account of education i think allows for me to think of school as a part of that long line of education and to to test you know how long it is in, in and of itself and what it is and and you know what do we mean when we talk about school are we talking about a school of kokanee fish are we talking about a school of thought? Are we talking about public school or private school or independent school? Are we talking about a university? Are we are we talking about what are we what's going on here? Um yeah. So early on, I think in my work, uh, the cosmic view of education prevented me from having any tolerance for school talk and certainly any any interest uh in school as a reality as a phenomenon. But the rope account of education um, 
there's room for that there. And I think that's really important. there's something counterintuitive and if not uh, counterproductive about a cosmic account of anything, I would say, that that steals the range or capacity of your imagination. I mean, the cosmos is, I think, um, a word we use not so much to describe the natural stuff out there the the universe or whatever i think most of all it's a term we use to um amplify our capacity to imagine and to um to to grasp the real It, it is uh it's a device for um for expansion so if the expansive account of education through cosmic education prevents me um, for categorical reasons or preferences of other kinds from taking an expansive look at school, then at some level it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And that's where I think the rope account of education uh, really helps me because I don't have to give up on how difficult everything is and I don't have to um, uh, pretend that it's uh, easy or that it's not knotted or, or any of the other, you know, issues or problems that at some level remain in both accounts of education. But there's, it's more eminent. It's something I have my hands on. It's something that, that just, you know, when I did the work on cosmic education, the person was kind of the site of concreteness. And again, I couldn't ever put education in that site because that would violate my contextual being capital B, you know, phenomenology of education. And again, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in, in getting rid of that. And I have a lot of hopes that that work might be uh, increased uh, and, or, or improved, I guess, um, in the future. But it's not good, I think, to, uh, to become dogmatic about it. Uh, and I think that there's, uh, it's really important to be able to maybe have a second account of education that is, um, that helps me. It's probably more pragmatic than the first, um, but that, that, that makes allowances for things that despite its scale of, its cosmic scale, uh, the smallness of vision that came with that. And that's where the rope account of education really helps me. You know, as I talk about this, I realize I'm probably not saying a whole lot in this episode about education, really. I'm probably more disclosing some of the uh, methodological approaches I take to, to the question, what is education, but that you might take to anything. Um, in some ways, that's unfortunate because I really wanted this episode to be about education. But I suppose I, I, I'm not too upset by that because in both cases, the cosmic account and the rope account of education, I do think that a lot of the kind of popular ways we talk about the natural attitude of education as immediately teaching and learning or school uh, or, you know, the everydayness of education 
is a is a huge problem. I mean, I, I don't want to pretend that my interest in school is somehow, I don't know, sliding backwards into thinking that school talk is valuable. It's, it's mostly not. And it's mostly about something that's not even on the table. It's, a, it's oftentimes a way to talk about other things. I mean, the critiques of critical race theory, which had nothing to do with critical race theory, in specifically educational sites like school board meetings and schools and school curricula and stuff. I mean, none of that has anything to do really with what it's talking about. It has more to do with white supremacy and history and all these things. And so, you know, again, I, I, I the rope account of education is maybe more generous or more um, agile, but, but it's not uh, conceding ultimately to some of the other more dogmatic positions of the cosmic account. Um, I guess it's about the, the scale of the dogma uh, in this case. But um, at any rate, that those two stories of education, education as cosmic um, and education as rope, <laughs> a really long rope, a really difficult rope to work with, uh, those are uh, two ways of thinking about education. And when we fill in the blanks, um, I mean, the cosmic account is pretty all-consuming, so there's not a lot of blanks there to, to be filled in. Um, but on the rope account, there are, you know, and so like I said, school is one way, teaching is, is another way. I think learning is a good way. I just think um, psychology kind of has monopolized a lot of that conversation and so we'd really have to do a lot of work to get there again but i think it's possible and doable and should be done i think it's a worthwhile project uh curriculum uh is, is something that i've uh recently spent more time thinking about and not just curriculum again in some cosmic uh sense of you know difficult conversations or the, the curriculum question what knowledge is most of most worth but I've offered, in a way, a, a rope account of curriculum that uh, takes up the sinews of poesis, of the things we make as teachers, uh, and in particular, the syllabus. And that's that's one part of it. So I, again, I, I'm probably talking about two ways I do my work. Um, but uh, hopefully, at the very least, um, this shares... Uh, some of the perhaps hidden and less commented on uh, aspects of the work I do and of the reasons I have for thinking about that. I can't help but giving another fishing metaphor. You know, the salmon are running right now in, 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 the, in the freshwater rivers and, uh, you know, I'm not a very experienced um, salmon angler uh, in, in moving water. And um, it's always been kind of the unreachable um, feet of, of angling for me. And, um, you know, I'm getting into it this season, uh, more and more. And there's, there seem to be, you know, kind of three good methods for fishing for salmon right now in moving water. The first is a, a float system, which you want to have either a center pin reel or a, a bait casting reel so you can free spool and get a nice drift with your bobber. 
The second is just casting, you know, um, sp inline spinners and spoons and stuff. And I'm really thinking when the coho salmon, which are kind of smaller, come in, that, that'll be some great, great, great fishing to, to be done there. We need a little bit more rain still for some of that so those pools can get deeper. Um, and then there's fly fishing, of course, which, you know, is something I really love. And, and, and in many ways, um, it's just about what you put on the end of your fly. But in, in general, the principles of fly fishing, if you know how to fish still and moving water and stuff like that, and knows more than just dry flies, you know, streamers and stuff. You get the point. Um, but when I go salmon fishing, you know, you're moving, you're walking on a riverbed, you don't want to have a bunch of stuff with you. But I like to bring two rods because... You know, I want to be able to, if I feel like there are fish in a particular pool or in a particular branch of the river, I want to be able to fish it. And um, probably the most reliable way to do that is through drifting a bobber. But I want to have the opportunity to not just do the many different ways one could uh, drift a bobber with, in my case, you know, wool or uh, beads, uh, soft beads or twitching jigs or what have you. But... I also want to be able to cast uh, some spoons and because sometimes it's just a real direct way to do things. You know, you see the fish jumping, you cast over to where they're jumping, you retrieve it, and there you go. Um, and so um, when I fish, I, I bring along these um, two different kinds of, of tackle, two different approaches to to doing the same thing, which is catching, uh, catching salmon in a river. And um, I suppose... Um, the cosmic account of education might be analogized to a particular type of, of uh, method of, of angling or fishing. Um, and the um, rope account might be called another one. And, and the thing about it is there's limitations here. I, I don't know of, of a fourth method beyond the three I mentioned. And I have to say fly fishing is in some ways in its own category. It doesn't really belong... You know, and of course, there's different kinds of, of center pins and bait casters and spinning reels and uh, uh, fly uh, tackle. There's spade rods and casting and, you know, traditional single hand and so on and so forth. So there's variety inside of the categories as well. Um, but there's also it also excludes a lot of a lot of other stuff, as, uh, too. And so all I'm trying to say is that, like, I think it's important um, when trying to think about something well and over a period of, well, a, a lifetime or one's adult lifetime, to um, to be serious enough to really specialize and maybe even over-specialize, hyper-specialize in some cases, but to also um, pluralize um, enough with some realistic sense of what those things actually are repeating or in what ways they're actually just refining and breaking it all the way down to just the most fundamental, you know, um, aspects of, of the craft and, and of the of the work. Um, yeah, and I guess this is more about that than it is about education. Uh, so I suppose uh, the on education is a bit of a misnomer. Um, but if I can attempt a recovery of sorts here, I guess I would just say education 
it's like other concepts. You have history, you know, the history of my life or the history of, you know, I don't know, eggs or the, the history, you know, the history channel. Um, you know, even math has been popularized in any number of ways and for good reason, you know. Um, it's very practical. It's very important. Um, a lot of disciplines can show you how everything comes into contact with those disciplines. Uh, linguistics or the study of language, you know. Um, yeah, there's so many. Uh, science, you know, capital S, I suppose. Uh, definitely physics, biology, chemistry, all the natural sciences, you know, computation in the day and age we're living in, you know. Um, and education is just another one of them. Um, however, maybe in some ways that are different from things like the technical fields, engineering, science, even mathematics, um, even the fine arts, the fine and performing arts, dance, the plastic arts, you know, sculpture, ceramics. Everyone has, everyone rightly is able to speak about their own education in a way that not everyone can speak of calculus or geometry or ceramics or two-dimensional art or classical guitar or playing the trombone. Everyone kind of has this immediate ability to relate to education through their own education, whether it's formal, informal, schooling, teachers, students, uh, the, the work they do that they recognize as having some educational uh, element, what have you. And so one of the things about education that is, um, I, I think, among its greatest features is that even though a lot of people like to say that their discipline or their area of investigation or their interest is actually everywhere, um, and at some level, I think everyone's mostly right about that and that everyone can argue for it and give reasons and examples and, 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 and evidence to support that. Ed education, nonetheless, is um, easy for even those who don't have those motivations to talk about education that way, to almost participate in that way of talking. And because of that, it makes... It gives people, I think, a false confidence, a false familiarity with education. It's not that they're not actually familiar with it. It's not like they don't actually have the contact that they intuit that they have. But it's that that raw intuition, that brute experience, that everyday encounter can't substitute for thinking about education um, or I claim it can't substitute for thinking about education at the level and scale and sustained um, rigor of um, of what I of, of 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 either of these two accounts of education, the cosmics account of education or the rope account of education. And I think the challenge of philosophy of education that is unique to other popularized common enough phenomenon is um phenomena sorry is 
handling this over-familiarity. Because on the one hand, we don't want to make education exclusive or deny people their true encounters and experience. But on the other hand, we want to say that's really just a beginning and it may even be more of a false start than a, a productive start. There may be areas of that that need to be undone and unlearned and you know challenged or even erased for a deeper sense of education to emerge and you know you might hear my kids in the background um yeah education revels in the routine and in the ordinary and in the lives of children in particular and then and in family life and in the social uh uh i mean politics and ethics and i mean all that stuff education is comfortable there and and we're comfortable with it there and there's you know um it's not hard actually to um expand the view of education but one thing that the cosmic view and the rope view of education hopefully do is more than just expanding education. But I do believe they are very different responses to the question, what is education? And they're not just the response bigger or more or longer or, you know, whatever extensions or expansions we want to think of. I think they force us to imagine an education that in the case of the cosmic account gets all the way down to the main competitor for education which is being or building to to be in a par very particular way of a mode of formation and becoming and and and, and what have you and um, the only things I think we can talk about, because everyone exists or everyone who lives can talk about life in terms of my life or what have you. And so there we see some resemblances, some serious resemblances. And I think anyone who is uh, studied or considered uh, the difficulties of that area of thought, that philosophical dimension of whether we want to call it existentialism or existential phenomenology or ontology or I don't care whatever fancy words you want to use for it. Uh, I, there's nothing easy about the question, who am I? There's nothing easy about the question, what does it mean to be? What is the meaning of being? Uh, and all the questions that emerge from it and, and all of the fundamental assumptions that come with it or that come from it. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot. I'm not convinced, actually, that when I talk about education, I'm not just doing that. And I use education as my own, you might say, substitution for those questions. I wouldn't be the first. I think a lot of the best or a lot of the most recognizable people working on what we might call metaphysics or what have you, uh, when you pay attention, they're often talking about education or or in some cases, and they're often doing it in, in the sense that they're doing it within an academic or educational institution 
with education or academic purposes. I mean, it's 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 thick. It's absolutely, um, yeah. It's it's a it's it's a sauce or a gravy or a, it has a viscosity and it is it is something you can't get out of easily. On the other hand, the rope account of education, um, you know. It might seem looser and it might seem more inviting and it might ask you to say more <laughs> about the familiarity you have with education and it might give more room for maybe the anecdotal or the autobiographical or self-disclosure or stuff like that. And um, But I think that it's ultimately going to reach a similar point of discovering that the thing of education or the thing of curriculum or the thing of teaching or the thing of learning or the thing of being a student or the thing of study or the thing of books or the thing of, you know, all those education-y things that make up this rope, this composite of education. Um, you know, the fact that we can find so many of them doesn't mean that there isn't this strand, this extension, this alpha and omega line or entity uh, that runs through all of it. And what in the world is that? And um, it's the same metaphysical interest in that question, what is education? It's the same, I think, um, motivation beyond the familiarity or over familiarity of education to pose the question to answer the call of the question to respond and um and then try to do that in communities where maybe uh people want to be teachers or maybe people are presently at least functioning as students in an institution uh or maybe people in the wider public who have an interest in, in, in education for their civic life or the constitution of their communities, you know, where people have investments that go well beyond the metaphysical or, or beyond that kind of pure science of philosophy of education. I think that's all, that's all on board there. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I probably said more about philosophy of education than I have about education, pure and simple. And maybe that's the curse of philosophy of education that I think whenever you ask yourself the question of what is education, pure and simple, education without adjectives, like John Dewey uh, says in Experience in Education, when you, when you actually take that up as your project, you're <laughs> tragically uh, unable in a way, to talk about education, pure and simple, in a different sense, in that familiar sense, in that easy, accessible sense. You are, you're a pedant. <laughs> you are guilty of a kind of, a kind of philosophical, um, what's well, a sin of philosophy, I suppose. You're making the simple complex, it seems, when to you, you're actually taking the complex and making it simple, and it's hard to convince people who think otherwise uh, that that's what you're doing, and 
Your purposes can also get called into question, your politics, uh, your identity, um, all of that. But so be it. I, I'm certainly not the first and won't be the last uh, in this situation. And there's... Um, And there's a there this it tragic as it may be as I said early on it's given uh, me a, a life and, and a job <laughs> and um, it's brought me an enormous amount of um, meaning and fulfillment in in, in my uh, learning the crafts of the trade which involve writing which involve talking which involve thinking which involve teaching which involves service advising um so yeah, I don't know what else there is to say at the moment uh, other than that I do realize that this curse of philosophy of education has probably prevented more than it's enabled me to uh, to talk about this topic that I think a lot of people rightly want to hear about and want to think about and want to talk about that is education. But at least maybe I've been able to give you a glimpse into this cosmic notion of education. And I'm sure that if you play with it and you toy around with it a bit, or maybe if you want to read some of the stuff I've written about it, I don't know. I mean, I believe there's, there's, um, there's a lot of, it can, it's one of those concepts that can work on you, uh, at almost as much or more than, than you can work on it. And I don't know if I've expressed that here today in, in a compelling way, but, uh, but it's certainly done that to me. And, uh, and then I think the rope account of education is similar in the sense that, you know, I think you should start with the cosmic. <laughs> uh, I don't think the rope account is a good starting point, but I think that you get to a point in the cosmic that you just really need um, some relief and also some perspective and some distance. And I think that that's a place where that um, maybe more modest, uh, maybe um, less transcendental <laughs> account uh, comes in handy. Um, and of course there's the third way of dealing with this, which is I'm not that interested in education to begin with. I never thought education or my education or education in general was important, but I am interested in how to think or how to work a problem or how to, uh, take up a concept and, and, uh, I'm interested in phenomenology and the study of appearances and education isn't my appearance. I'm interested in X or Y or Z or whatever. Okay. Well, then actually, in, in a lot of ways, this hopefully is um, loose and very casual and informal. But at the very least, I think this does give, um, uh, does map out the territory, at least of my thought on things. And so, you know, um, feel free to, you know, drop by or let me know if it was helpful in that way or not helpful or, or objections you might have or, or added complexities you want to raise or whatever. Uh, this is the the limitation of the monologue, really. I I, I love the interviews because the uh, in the way I don't have to exist in, in a plurality of myself. I can be more singular because I am in relation and in dialogue with another person, and so I can focus on on them. And there's an instant plurality there. Whereas in monologue, it's a place where you have a much more radical need for a plurality and a much more radical need for difference and a much more radical need for a kind of dialogue that's in some cases I think more difficult, which is dialogue with oneself. And uh, 
Uh, I don't know how well I've done that today, uh, but I know it's difficult, and that's one of the reasons these uh, episodes will be very uh, will be the exception and not the rule on this show. Uh, they're simply too hard to do, I think. Um, but at any rate, these are I'm going to say my 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 initial early introductory uh, remarks on education, and um, I can't leave or stop before just telling you, dear lis- listener here on, you know, past one hour, just how much I appreciate that you uh, tune in and uh, spend your time uh, in a different kind of dialogue, the dialogue of listening uh, with me and with my show and with my work. And um, you are, um, I think, every bit as important as the abstract concepts or what have you. And uh, it's too easy for me sometimes to forget about that and forget not only about you, but about so many others uh, who probably give more, um, maybe less formal, but more important sense of meaning or significance to this. And so, you know, thank you. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I appreciate you. I appreciate your attention and, and, and your listening. Uh, but anyhow, um, the show will pick up again with, uh, with the interviews. And, uh, yeah, these are just my thoughts on education. Thank you for listening to this episode of Folk Phenomenology Season 2. Folk Phenomenology Season 2 is generously supported by Whippenstock Publishers, St. Mark's College Center for Christian Engagement, Give Us This Day, Solidarity Hall, Black Catholic Messenger, U.S. Catholic, Commonweal Magazine, and the Juan Diego Network. Be sure to see the show notes for links to our sponsors. Also, please share this episode and subscribe on your favorite app or platform, and also find Folk Phenomenology on Twitter and Facebook. Folk Phenomenology is hosted and produced by Sam Rocha, that's me, with a soundtrack by Aaron Ross Hansen. Now go out and love the world. Dilexi Mundum. What is interesting to me, really interesting, and I can't define it, is because it's interesting. I can't say exactly what it is, but it's the most interesting, I don't know the word, concept, idea. My job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Through 
the eyes of our ears, we see the beauty of hope. We see the beauty of pain. We see the beauty 